0: Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library, and today we have another great guest on. Now, one of the things that a lot of businesses tend to look at is once you get to a certain level of steady cash flow and steady profit, you're probably wondering, what are some other alternative investments or places where I can invest my money to see my wealth continue to grow? So today I am excited to have on a guest, Stuart Heath. So stay tuned as we'll talk about some great options and ideas that people are looking at when it comes to situations like that. So stay tuned for today's episode. So without further ado, let me welcome on, Stuart, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Stuart, I'm very excited to talk about, you know, Harvard Great Capital. But before we jump into the details of that and and the exciting opportunities and things there, can you tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. I am a CPA and have been for most of my career, uh, as I see you are as well. Uh, so I am perhaps the most um, untraditional CPA uh, that, that you can imagine. Uh, I am a risk taker. I like to take risks. Uh, I like to build ventures and build businesses. Uh, that's, that's what gets me up in the morning. But, it, but at my heart of hearts, I am a, uh, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, I build systems, uh, which most CPAs would be proud of. Uh, and so uh, that's
0: what I've done throughout my career. Awesome. Awesome. Now, when it comes down to, you know, the, the risk taker and the entrepreneurial side, I would agree with you that we don't tend to find many CPAs that are interested in that. Um, and it's been even more interesting for myself of when I left my full time uh, corporate job. And then and as, as I started talking to other CPAs who were starting their own practice in many cases, they kind of approach it the same way that they did their jo- their full time job. Um, yep. So, what was yep. it for you that really kind of got you out of that mode and really, you know, sparked the entrepreneurial spirit?
1: Um, well, honestly, it was something I didn't really know about myself until uh, I was probably four or five years into my career. Uh, so uh, I left college and went straight to work for Pricewaterhouse. I was very proud, you know. Back then we called them the Big Eight, and that was a you know a coveted position uh, to get in in Nashville uh, at, at one of the larger firms in the in the country. Uh, and so so proud, and I very quickly got um, uh, disinterested in uh, in the audit side, which is the primary breadwinning. Product or service uh, of most CPA firms, and then I wanted to get in the tax sag as I felt like that was more real world. And then after a few years of that, I'm like, I can do this for myself. And so, at the grand age of 25, I started my own firm. It, but you're exactly right. I approached it very much like my job. I'm over there counting. <laughs> okay, I've got I've got these number of clients, and they can pay for what I need to live on and which is a complete wrong way to think about building a business. And it wasn't for a three or four more years that, I, you know, so now I have nobody else to blame. I'm in my own firm building it the way that I thought I should. And in long story, I hate my job, you, you know, and, and I'm looking at all my clients and I like, I really respect this client. I really respect this one. Uh, I, I was already, partnering with some people who were building other companies and thinking, all right, well, this, this will add some excitement to, to the daily job. But um, so I really didn't, I I finally realized that I really want to go be an entrepreneur and and go do and go do startups and businesses. And, and along the way, really fell in love with real estate. Uh, uh, But, um, but uh, you, you know, at Harvard Grace Capital, we do private equity real estate, but Harvard Grace Corporation, which I've had for several years, we are fractional CFOs for all kinds of businesses. So uh, that that gets me allows me to wear my uh, my CPA hat as well as help people build their businesses, which which is really exciting.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. You know, and it's very interesting. You know, the the point that you make is uh, I I found that a lot where. You know, a CPA will leave their full time job, they'll start a firm, and then now they'll dislike the new job that they built themselves. (laughs) And because they own the firm, it's not like they can just leave it like they did their last job. (laughs) To where, you know, I think for yourself, as you started to really, you know, were there any like, critical things that you noticed about the way that you approach building it, building your firm the first time that you were like, man, I probably shouldn't have done that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, To me, it's all about, um, uh, do you want to, do you want to own your own job? Or, or do you want to work? You know, I, I don't know who said it. It's better to work on your business than in your business. You know, it, it became impossible for me to scale because as my practice was growing and I was good at getting work, I was I was a good marketer. I landed a, a lot of customer jobs, uh, but uh, but I was spending all that money, and and, and I didn't build a business by hiring the people that could go do the work so that I could spend time doing what I actually enjoyed, which was working with clients and, and, and selling. Uh, and, but by the time, you know, I, I figured all that out, I, I was already, I, I was overworked. You know, I couldn't do what I enjoyed and do all the client deliverables too, uh, and, and basically expand the pool. So um mm. So I was all I did was was own my own job, and I didn't build a business, uh, and, and I can't stress that uh, e- enough. So you know, eventually I left uh, my own public accounting firm, went into industry uh, for several years, came back and formed Harvard Grace, and I've done it very differently this time. So that, so that I have a team that's. Uh, helping to deliver the accounting and CFO services. And I get to do the piece that I want, which is strategy and talking with clients. And of course I'm supervising the other work, Uh, but you hire good people and that that piece is rather easy. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, if, if, and and you know, uh, there's a whole book about this called the E-Myth, you know, just because you are a excellent plumber, doesn't mean that you can run a company that's a plumbing company Uh, because, uh, but if you're an excellent business person, you can run a plumbing company Uh, and and you might know, might know, might not know the first thing about plumbing other than, well, it all runs downhill. Uh, And so, uh, but so many, so many times people uh, think that they can run the company that that uh, that goes with their skill set, but they can't. Uh, it, it's not that they can't, but they, they need to go educate themselves to do that. Gotcha, Gotcha.
0: No, I, I would completely agree with that. Dan. Now, one of the things that I you know I'm, I'm curious is do you find that you know with combining your entrepreneurial spirit with you know the CFO services and the strategy that you know that you're able to add a perspective or a value from the numbers perspective to you know other entrepreneurs cuz you know their journey
1: i do uh and i think that's what's actually um landed me a lot of clients cuz they understand i've i've been down the path and i've screwed up a lot I mean, I, I, I said, don't do that because I did that and it didn't work. I, I mean, so, uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm from the school of hard knocks. I've tried most ways of not to do things. And uh, and, and yeah, I do think it adds a lot of value. Uh, the, the other side of that is, you know, I've been at this um, at nearly 40 years uh, and, and so I've seen a few cycles come and go. And what's really been interesting in the last six months is, you know, we have a whole generation of people and they're not that young, but have never dealt with inflation or, or never dealt with interest rates above 5%. Uh, and, and you know, back when I was coming out of college, you know, uh, I was coming out when they, uh, labeled, um, Uh, The double digit inflation and the double digit interest rates in the late 80s, not the late 80s, I'm sorry, the the late 70s, early 80s, you know, we had a term, it was the misery index. You know, you sort of put those two things together and uh, and I don't think we're headed back there now, but 7% inflation is a serious thing uh, that, you know, we haven't really had to think about in 20, 25 years. It's it's been under control, uh, and so but but I have been through that. So uh, that so uh, the fact that I've made a lot of mistakes and the fact that I'm really old and have been uh, through some other cycles, I think, uh, gives me a perspective to help a lot of people uh, think about their businesses perhaps a different way.
0: Awesome, awesome. I and I think that you know your your clients probably are are very appreciative and notice in the strategy that you develop. And one of the things that I find now as you know, for myself of working with, you know, different clients, small to medium size is you find some that get to a point where they have pretty consistent or pretty good profit margins and cash flow. And so they start looking at what are some other options to invest in that won't completely take me away from you know my business and and when I, I saw about you know the you know the the realist the turnkey real estate investing that you guys support can you tell us a little bit about that
1: sure yeah um, well it, it, and our approach definitely comes out of um, you know some of uh, mistakes that have been made in the past uh, so our our approach and it's right there on the first screen homepage of our, of Harvard Grace Capital is stable and increasing recurring cash flow. Uh, and I've already said, I like real estate. Uh, I think it is a huge misnomer that wall street, um, uh, has been able to label real estate investing as an alternative asset class. Um, people it's the original asset class. <laughs> you know, I mean, and real estate throughout time has generated more, um, more wealth and more millionaires than any other asset class. Uh, although tech investing might be catching up somewhat, that's only been around 20 years. Uh, now that's not to say it's always perfect. Um, if you, if you do it wrong or you do it at the wrong time of the cycle, uh, you couldn't get burnt. If you do it with too much leverage, uh, you very likely will get burnt. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, the, the problem was the, was the leverage, not the asset. So uh, real estate is a class that, um, uh, that can generate uh, recurring cash flows that should, if managed properly, increase over time because you build your leases or, or your models, so that they adjust to inflation. Uh, and so, in real estate is it's actually um, uh, a, a perfect inflation hedge from an investment portfolio. It, it, it may not catch up, but as opposed to um, a portfolio of dividend-paying stocks, which that's a strategy I like as well, it's, it's a good strategy, but your, your companies may or may not uh, increase their dividend uh, based upon uh, some inflation factor. You know, dividends are a distribution of profit uh, and are not necessarily automatically tied to uh, their own cost factors. Most of those companies are have um, um, you know, have cost systems that are not that are impacted by inflation. Whereas real estate typically, you're going to have a revenue structure that's automatically adjusting to inflation. So um, that's the one I always suggest Uh, we do syndications uh, and and so somebody can passively invest, get regular reports from us, quarterly distributions of cash uh, as as well as the many tax benefits that come with investing in real estate.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, as you said that about, you know, how, you know, real estate has been labeled as the alternative and i was thinking about some conversations that i've had with different financial advisors and usually in the alternative investment category they usually place real estate and like precious metals and so, <laughs> yeah. when think about it like those are two things that have probably been around longer than the other stuff <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely yeah you know precious metals is is a is a good store of value and I've made some money in gold over the years, uh, just, you know, mainly in, but, you know, gold doesn't produce any income. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have capital gains. But, yeah, they also put things like art um, in in the alternative art, really? I mean, that's really not for (laughs) the Main Street kind of guy. And but but to put but to put real estate in, you know, most people own some real estate they at least occupy some real estate. So it's an asset class that's easily understood by almost all investors. uh, And which I think is an important thing to investing. You should invest in what you understand. Um, I don't, I don't do any crypto uh, and I don't understand it. I'm not against it. I'm not um, saying it's a bad class. I'm saying I don't understand it. (laughs) And 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 it's not for lack of trying um i do learn a little bit more uh, each 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 week or each month but uh it, it, as as it is right now uh, to me that's the ultimate alternative investment is crypto uh mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. i'm still and i was just on the phone with a guy yesterday who just thinks that the whole thing's going to come crashing down this I actually moved away from that position. I think now there's going to be a home for crypto moving forward. I'm not quite sure what that's going to be, uh, gotcha. you know. Um, so anyway, that's just my two cents. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Gotcha. No, no, that makes a lot. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about how you know real estate has been something that you know has been around for centuries. It's been an investment opportunity and action that a lot of people have taken for centuries. And it is something that people are familiar with, whether it be through ownership or occupation of a place of real estate or even just being familiar with it. Now, one of the things that I find, you know, as, you know, I talk to different business owners and, you know, one of their concerns is like, you know, well, do I have to have a ton of money to even get started in real estate? you know, what's been kind of your perspective on that?
1: Um, well, I built my first real estate portfolio in the two thousands, um, using a HELOC on my personal residence, which is a home equity line of credit. And I use that for down payments. Um, uh, and so that's one form of no cash down. Um, not necessarily recommending that, uh, but it it does take some cash as, as any investing requires. Uh, You can borrow from a um, 401k perhaps, or from a self-directed IRA and, uh, or you can buy them outright from those. But one of the really powerful things about real estate is the leverage opportunity because it is a real asset and banks can get it. it, It's not on wheels. So, you know, you know, 1234 Maple Street will always still be at that address. Uh, and so a bank can uh, wrap it around uh, a mortgage there. And if they have to, then come get it. It can be insured if something should happen to you know, a building and uh, which, which would uh, pay down debt. But the ability to leverage it, essentially uh, three to one, you know, call that a 25% down payment, uh which means you can buy borrow another dollar for every dollar you put down which makes you able to buy a much larger asset than you can the same amount of of your down payment in uh, in Google stock or, or Amazon or, or something like that uh, all of which are good uh, stocks uh, and and uh, and there's, I think there's a place for stocks and equities uh, in everybody's portfolio, but uh, and when you leverage that, uh, especially in today's time where you've got low interest rates in the threes and fours, you're locking in your cost of that capital, uh, and, and but you will get a hundred percent of the gain. Uh, and so, our other CPA brain will say, well, what if there's not a gain? Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> that happens. What if your stock goes down? You know, sometimes that happens too. Uh, most of the time, almost all the time, the 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 real estate goes up in value, as well as your 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 equities. Uh, but but it, so you're getting a hundred percent of the value on three times the amount that you put in it uh, versus Mm -hmm. uh, and only having to pay that interest factor on on the difference uh, along the way. Mm -hmm. And usually the income off the property will pay that mortgage. And that that works at single family homes, at duplexes, at small multifamilies. I mean, that works at every stage of of real estate investing. Mm
0: Gotcha. So one of the things that I'm curious about is when it comes down to Harvard Grace Capital, you know, what are some of the types of, of projects that you guys um, get involved with? And is that something that you mentioned syndications, where is that something that other business owners or other investors can take part in?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, right now, Harvard Grace Capital is focused almost exclusively on what what's generally known as the Tennessee Valley. So uh, I'm located just south of Nashville, Tennessee. uh, And I I call it the 840-565 corridors. 840 is an interstate that runs on the south side of Nashville. And if you go south from there into northern Alabama to interstate 565 that goes through uh, Huntsville, Alabama, that's sort of our target area. So we're, we're outside of a primary market like Nashville, but that takes into account uh, uh, some secondary markets and even a tertiary market of Huntsville, Alabama, which has been booming since 2008. Uh, and, and so we've taken down our first syndicated property last January, which is an office building in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Uh, and, and right now we're trying to get LOIs on two different medical office buildings in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, both of which are 90% or better uh, occupied. They're cash flowing. And we really like the cash, the, the uh, cap rates in office, specialty office versus multifamily. We love multifamily. I think that everybody in the world is chasing multifamily right now. And I understand it's quite a, a, quite in demand, but Covid did a number on quote the office sector, but as with most everything else, there are many, many, many subsectors of office as well as retail. Uh, And the 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 first rule is all real estate is local. Uh, I mean, the building we bought, uh, and I'm sitting in that building now, uh, is 100 percent occupied and had been for over a year, Uh, and will stay you know, we don't have any lease renewals coming up until 2024. Um, so, uh, you you know, we like that asset. We really like these medical office buildings that we're uh, chasing right now. Uh, and so there's some stability and, and and if the cap rates on multifamilies get a little higher, like into the fives and sixes, we'll be chasing those too. But I can't make sense Mm -hmm. of a, uh, of a project at a, um, uh, a 4% cap rate or lower in some cases uh, when I'm paying 4% for the money that I'm borrowing. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's um, uh, th- that math doesn't work for me in my head. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think they're too richly priced at the current I time. You. So I our, our, a Harvard Grace capital project will cash flow from day one.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So if people are interested and they're like, okay, all right, I got to find out about, you know, what's the latest projects I want to keep up with Harvard Grace Capital, where can they find you guys online?
1: Well, the best place to go is harvardgracecapital.com. You can join our mailing list there or you can even find my contact information and with my Calendly link. And um, I I invite everybody to reach out, grab some time with me. I can talk real estate all the time and investing. Uh, And uh, we have some pretty good um, blogs that we put out several times a week. You can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, As well as on Facebook, uh, I would direct you to our site there where you can find my contact information and the ones of my board members. So they'd like to hear from you, too.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, one question that I love asking every guest that comes on the show is when you think about, you know, your history, your journey of where you've been and where you are now. It's, you know, what's two lessons that you've learned that you would share with the audience? And it could be two things you've already said that you want to reiterate or two new completely things.
1: Yeah. I don't think I've touched on this, um, uh, but you know, I've been doing real estate since 2000. Really struggled uh, in 2008 and 2009, primarily because of the way I aggressively bought uh, several pieces of real estate. I was going for maximum leverage, as I've already talked about, um, and ended up giving some of it back to the banks through, through all that, through that, you know, the great financial crisis. It uh, wasn't a fun time, learned an awful lot, and I would say uh, something I probably should have known more about as a CPA, but I've learned firsthand the value of just having reserves, having cash on the sidelines that is not aggressively deployed. Um, perhaps you can keep it in, a, uh, in some sort of a money market, you know, to generate some return, it doesn't have to sit in cash. But as I did a, a post-mortem on, on, um, on my own experience, so I'd had about a $10 million net worth in, in about the midway through 2008. Uh, and it, as fast as things happened, about 90 days later, I probably was upside down five million dollars. Uh, but looking back, if I had had as much as three hundred thousand, maybe five hundred thousand dollars in cash, I could have um, been able been in the position to actually work with the banks, keep my mortgages current, get the properties uh, filled again because tenants left like crazy during that time. Uh, there was a lot of layoffs. Uh, and and still kept some of those assets, you know, a year or a year and a half later, and survived it. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't value reserves, and I didn't. Um, um, uh, you know, I wasn't prepared for the downside. So value reserves, and otherwise, in other ways, preparing for the downside would be the uh, the lessons that I have learned, um, you know, the hard way. But um, none of that ever deterred me from real estate. It wasn't the real estate's fault. (laughs) uh,
0: I think that is amazing, amazing advice and amazing wisdom shared. So, Stuart, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor. Thank you, Terrell
0: thank you for tuning in to the business talk library if you like our content be sure to follow us on social media and if you want to see more of our exclusive content you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library hey the business talk library is the place where business makes sense